So I was running an Earth Dawn game the other day, as I often do on a Sunday, and I'm talking to one of the players, and she starts talking to me about Baby Yoda memes. And then I start talking about how much I love The Mandalorian. And she tells me, I've never seen it. And I'm like, oh, it's a, on Disney+. Plus. You can just come over to the house and watch it. And she's like, it's on Disney+. Plus. I have Disney+. Plus. I know what I'm doing tonight. And I had a thought. She was so into Baby Yoda and had never seen The Mandalorian. Is it just pure fan service? Or something intrinsic to Star Wars? What's going on here? I want to talk about that on today's Project Shadow. Hello, everyone. How are you doing today? My name is Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, especially if you're reading my latest book, Crucify My Love. And oh, the revisions are real. I'm deep into the heart of editing and I haven't even gotten started yet. Marking up a text is seriously the most fun part of the creative process. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. Today, we're going to be talking about not just The Mandalorian, not just Star Wars, not just Baby Yoda. But why are people so obsessed with Baby Yoda? And why are people saying that The Mandalorian is so Star Wars? But before we get into all that, if you haven't already, please take a moment to rate this podcast in whatever app you're listening to me on. It really does help out a lot. It tells the algorithms to share the podcast with more people. The more people that listen, the bigger the community. The bigger the community, the better the chance we get to communicate with each other. And after all, that's why I do this podcast in the first place. Thank you to everyone who's already done that. Alrighty. Baby Yoda. First of all, I've talked about this on previous episodes of the podcast. I don't like calling him Baby Yoda because he's not Baby Yoda. Yoda's dead. It's hard to admit that sometimes because I love Yoda. Since Empire Strikes Back, I've loved Yoda. I loved Yoda in the prequels. I love Yoda on uh, Clone Wars and even on Rebels. But Yoda is gone. Yoda has become one with the Force. And so I generally call Baby Yoda Small Fry. So I just thought I should make it clear. If I talk about Small Fry, I'm talking about Baby Yoda. Or what most people refer to as Baby Yoda. Just so you know. But man, Baby Yoda is everywhere. And it really got me thinking. Why? I think it's two things. Well, several things. I'm not just going to limit it to two, because I'm probably going to list more than two, because I know myself. But, number one, it's the sheer cuteness factor. Like, you can't underrate the cuteness factor of Baby Yoda. They designed that puppet to be the cutest thing that Star Wars has ever seen. It's up there with the Porgs. It's way beyond the Ewoks. And don't get me started on Ewoks. You know my feelings there. Really shouldn't bring it up. So just based on that, people who have never seen the show, who aren't even familiar with Star Wars, are going to look at pictures of Baby Yoda 
and be like, oh man, that's so cute. So I mean, you, you just have to accept that right out the gate. Number two, Yoda, very popular character. Yoda's species, one of the biggest enduring mysteries of the Star Wars universe. Because George Lucas did not want us to know anything about it. So even the old legends stories weren't allowed to give us anything. We don't even know what his species is called. We know Yoda, we know Yaddle, and a few other of the, that species here, there, and yonder. But we don't know much about them. So why has this one character grabbed the imagination? Part of it is the cuteness. I mean, we have to constantly go back to that. And also the popularity of Yoda himself. Yoda is one of the most enduring characters in Star Wars. I mean, I say this with Yoda right beside me that follows me no matter what room I work out of. And of course, my altar has the all-holy altar to Yoda on it, where I have all of my Yodas laid out in front of me so I can look Yoda in the eye when I'm doing things, because I love me some Yoda. I really do. Yoda... Uh. But I think it goes beyond that. And it goes into what makes this feel to a lot of people like the Star Wars that they wanted. Because that's a phrase that gets repeated over and over and over again when people discuss The Mandalorian. That even more than the sequel trilogy, this feels like the Star Wars that they wanted. Why? Why this series? What is it about this series that is capturing the imagination? Yes, it's the cute baby Yoda, but it's also that it's an original story. And that cannot be undersold. See, the problem with Star Wars fandom, and most fandoms in general, is we want to see the same thing over and over and over again. It's why most series end up getting into a rut and completely falling apart. You can see this if you watch the original Star Trek in the Star Trek The Next Generation. At a certain point, both of those series fell into a pattern that, well, it was comfortable. They knew they could get the ratings. I do this, we do that. People are going to love it because that's the Star Trek that people have come to see. That's what The Force Awakens was. It was everything that we've seen before, done again, but with different characters. And of course, just enough controversy that people could be like, oh no, Luke's a woman now. Because, yeah, let's create a character that basically does most of the same things as Luke, but get all mad because she can do it because she's a woman. Because women shouldn't be that powerful, even though... We let Luke get away with most, if not all that. Topic for another day. So the fandom cries out, no, we didn't want this. We wanted something new. And so we got Ryan Johnson's brilliant, brilliant The Last Jedi. Probably, I, I really do feel like the more I watch it and the more I watch the series of movies again, I think The Last Jedi is seriously my favorite of the Star Wars movies. I think it's moved itself into number one. If not number one, it's tied for number one. And people freaked out because, oh no, it's new. No, new. It's too new. We can't, we can't have that. It's too new. Why is it this new? I don't want, 
No, I want my comfortable Star Wars. I want my comfortable Star Wars. So we let's bring JJ back and we're going to get comfortable Star Wars for episode three and well, episode nine. And it's going to be so comfortable. They're bringing Palpatine back from the dead. Topic for another episode that I want to get done before Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker comes out. But we'll get to that probably next week. Uh, so here we have the Mandalorian. And the Mandalorian is right in that sweet spot. It's comfortable. We, oh look, a Mandalorian. Well, we all know Boba Fett. Or Jango Fett, or both. Because if you've seen the movies, you've seen either Boba Fett or Jango Fett. So you know what a Mandalorian is. So that's comfortable. This Mandalorian, we don't know. So that's new. We see baby Yoda. Oh wait, I've seen Yoda before. That's comfortable. But I've never seen this Yoda. So that's new. And the same can be said with everything throughout the series, from the IG droid that he runs into IG-11. Well, we've seen IG-11. If you've seen Empire Strikes Back, you've seen IG-88. So you've seen an IG droid. So it's familiar. But it's a different IG droid. So it's different. And we're used to seeing giant space monsters. And so from episode one, giant space monster. Episode two, giant space monster. And on and on it goes. From the Klaatuinians that remind us of the Tusken Raiders to the Jawas that remind us of the Jawas. There we are. It's familiar. It's playing in that familiar territory. And that's the secret that this series has found. It's not retreading old stories. It's not rehashing the elements that we got before. But it's also not bombarding people with new content. If you watch The Clone Wars, you've seen a Razor Crest ship before. You're used to it. You're, it's familiar to you. And even if you haven't, it looks similar enough to show to ships that you've seen in the Star Wars movies that you're comfortable with it. The same is true for all of the other characters. Oh, that's a stormtrooper. I know what a stormtrooper is. And there you go. It is safe. But it's not safe in the way that The Force Awakens is safe. The Force Awakens was safe because it just retread the original A New Hope, but with new characters and a slightly different twist on how the story played out. This series goes right for the sweet spot, where it's familiar yet different. And that is the place that all media needs to be to stay fresh and alive. All right, all right, all right. I can hear you saying it already. So what does this have to do with Baby Yoda? So... Baby Yoda is the epitome of this phenomenon within the Mandalorian and the linchpin of what makes it work. It is the greatest of all surprises. And we'll talk about how this works when we talk about the crisis on Infinite Earths that's going on this week on the CW next week when it's over because, wow, so much happened on episode one. I'm just going to wait till we get to the end, watch the whole thing, talk about it next week. But that familiarity is satiable. What do I mean by that? We 
all wanted to know who he's after. He's after a 50-year-old. Okay, we know that. He's after somebody very special. So special that an army of thugs have been fighting off wave after wave of mercenary and bounty hunters to the point where a local Ugnaught is willing to just help someone that he believes, because he's heard the stories of the Mandalorians, can just get rid of the problem, get there, and solve it so the problem will go away. So whatever is there is really precious. It's really precious. And then we get the reveal. And the reveal is utter brilliance. So they open the capsule, and there's baby Yoda. That beautiful, cute, sweet face looking up on, at us. And we are rewarded with comfort as a surprise. And that can be really hard to do when you're doing a series. There are things that your mind starts expecting. There are beats within a story that are so built into how our minds process fiction that we expect them to be there, and when they're not there, we feel let down. We can see the setup, and we just wait for it. A good example of this is somebody who's a fan of the horror genre, and the vampire genre in particular, and all things dark and a bit sinister. When I watched the video for Ghosts Dance Macabre, there was a certain point in the video, the first time I watched it, where I said to my husband, if it doesn't start raining blood, they have failed. And shortly after that, it starts raining blood. Because I saw I, inside, I just felt all of the things that lead to that moment in most vampire fiction, in most dark fiction of this type, leading up to that moment. It was just so natural. That's the next thing that has to happen. And if it doesn't happen, I'm going to feel let down. And I said that, and then lo and behold, there it is. And I use that as a very specific example, not to freak you out because of my gothic nature, but to say that these aren't just story tropes. They're not just elements of fiction. They are just cues that we feel deep inside. I don't know why I said that. I can't point to the points in the video leading up to that that made me feel that that was the next thing that had to happen. But I was certain that that had to happen for the video to be complete. We knew that they were setting up a surprise. Something magical, something special is going to be there. Something so important that only a Mandalorian could get there. And not even on his own, with the help of an IG bounty droid. And when we get there and they open the box, there is Yoda looking at us. One of our favorite characters from the previous series. One of the, our favorite characters. One of the most enduring characters of Star Wars history. But it's not Yoda, because Yoda's dead. It's a new member of his species. So we get to see the familiar and we get to be surprised all at the same time. And then the capper. I'm not gonna, I, I should have said spoiler alert, but if uh, you knew I was talking about Baby Yoda, so I'm sorry for not saying spoiler alert, but spoiler alert if you haven't seen the first episode of The Mandalorian. But at the very end, 
when he saves the life of the of the baby of small fry and reaches out and the little baby reaches up and takes his finger that capper that moment of connection oh my goodness the tin man has a heart that is the moment it's not even a Star Wars moment. For everyone who's looking at this and feeling the Star Wars moment here, it's not a Star Wars moment. It's a Wizard of Oz moment. We just saw the moment where the Tin Man grew a heart. This is the moment where the Grinch's heart grew three sizes that day. Cold, calculated, savage killer. His first instinct is to burn things. His first instinct is to shoot it. And we see that still being true in the following episode, where he just does some disintegrations, just pap, pap, pap. But here, we have a touching moment. Literally. Finger to little baby, baby, baby Yoda hand. And it's, the Tin Man has a heart. That's the second revelation that we get at the end of the first episode. And that is probably the most Star Wars moment that we get in the entire series. Because the whole point of Star Wars is don't trust your eyes, they can deceive you. Things are not always what they appear to be. Trust the Force, trust your feelings. Know what is right and wrong. These core tenets are the heart of Star Wars. Luke would not have survived without trusting his feelings, but when the Emperor tells him to trust his feelings, and he's feeling anger and regret and wanting to kill to save his sister, to save his friends, to save the rebellion, he knows right from wrong. And he knows that killing the Emperor, if he kills the Emperor, it will not solve anything. Those moral questions, those questions of having a heart, are right there even in the first movie, in A New Hope, where our tin man, Han Solo, is all about the money. He's all about the money. All he cares about is the money, just like Armando. All he cares about is the money. And then at the very end, he comes back and saves Luke, and we cheer, and we shout, and we're excited. We're so happy. Because the Tin Man had a heart. The materialist really did care after all. He cared for something more than himself. And that proves that there is goodness out there. To the point where that's the entire point of the original trilogy. There's still good in him. I can feel it. And here we are. In the Mandalorian with Baby Yoda and that moment. So, yeah, we can talk about the cuteness and exactly how memeable something is, which I honestly don't believe is a thing. I think a thing is only memeable if it c- catches the collective imagination in some way. And even if you don't know the story, even if you don't know why, you can see the surprise, you can see the thrill, you can see the excitement of here's something that I love being brought to me in a new and fresh way. And if you have seen the series, 
you see the Tin Man growing a heart and feel that growth. His heart grew three sizes that day. And you connect to the series, to the characters. And that's where the Mandalorian succeeds and why everybody cares about the Baby Yoda. Just saying. My, my personal point of view, your mileage may vary. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did and you haven't already, please take a moment to rate this episode in whatever app you're listening to me on. It does help out a lot. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like to hear discussed on the show, in the show notes, you'll find a link to the voice message system. Keep it short, keep it clean, so I can use it on the show. I would love to hear from you. If you'd rather hit me up on social media, I am C.E. Dorset on Twitter and Instagram. You can find links to that and everything that I do over at projectshadow.com. If you've got a buck that you can spare, it really would help out a lot. In the show notes, you'll find a link to both the community support and my Patreon. Dollar a month, really, like, I can't say that enough. It would really help out more than you even possibly know. And I'll let you in on what I'm working on. I've got a lot of stuff brewing. If you don't have any money right now, or if you don't feel like giving, that's perfectly all right. But if you know somebody that you think would like this podcast, please do share it with them. That would help me out immensely as well. Until next time, thank you for listening. And thank you for checking out my new YouTube channel. I'm trying to figure out how to do the videos, how to get over my self-consciousness about doing the videos, and what I want the videos to be about. So if you have any thing that you'd like me to talk about over there, please share it with me. I would love to hear that as well. It would help out immensely, but thank you to everybody who's already started checking that out. And whatever you do, don't forget, until next time, don't forget to have the fun. Bye.